Welcome to our Wednesday evening Bible study prepared for our church family at St. Paul's Lutheran in Columbia, South Carolina, and all others who have a hunger for God's Word. Since this is a Bible study, I would encourage you to have your Bible and a notepad as you follow along. Please feel free to jot down any questions and reach out to me with any questions and comments you may have. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, even amid this pandemic and current unrest that is gripping our nation and world, we have so many things to be thankful for. I thank you for for your true and steady word that continues to educate, enlighten, comfort each one of us while revealing your Son, Jesus, to us. Lord, as we confess our sins, we ask you to continue to bless us and keep us. As you speak to us through your word, help us to see and hear others through the lens of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who did Jesus hang out with? What criteria do you normally use to figure out who you're going to hang out with? or who you're not going to hang out with. We often ask ourselves, will someone be fun to hang out with? Uh, Would they have similar interests? Are they like-minded in their political views? Do they enjoy the same sports that I enjoy? I could go on and on about what criteria we use to figure out who we will hang out with. When I first started to develop today's Bible study, I really was interested in, and still am, who Jesus hung out with and why. After I began looking at the people Jesus associated with, the question changed from who did Jesus hang out with to who did Jesus love? Are you ready for the answer? I think you already know it, but just to refresh your memory, Jesus loved and continues to love everyone. When Jesus began his ministry some 2,000 years ago, he began by teaching and preaching about a new kingdom, the kingdom of God that had arrived on earth. It truly was an upside-down kingdom compared to the social and cultural norms of the time. Even though some of the crowds that Jesus spoke to probably were hungry and probably were financially poor, We see in his Sermon on the Mount, when he spoke about the hungry and the poor, he was referring to their hearts, hungering and thirsting for this new way of living. This Jesus, the Savior of the world, who was truly divine and truly human, did not fit any of the paradigms of many of the religious leaders of the time. It was like Jesus It wasn't like Jesus just accidentally showed up one day. It was by God's divine wisdom. I truly believe his plan was to reveal Jesus through the books of the Old Testament, though some were thinly veiled revelations and some were very bold revelations. The Bible truly is a unified story that leads to Jesus. As early as the book of Genesis is where we find the promise of a Savior. Consider what Martin Luther wrote, and I quote, All the promises of God lead back to the first promise 
concerning Christ in Genesis 3.15. The faith of the fathers in the Old Testament era and our faith in the New Testament are one and the same faith in Jesus Christ. Time does not change the object of true faith or the Holy Spirit. There has always been and always will be one mind, one impression, one faith concerning Christ among true believers, whether they live in times past, now, or in times to come. End quote. Listen to the words in Genesis as God addresses the serpent in the Garden of Eden. As God said, the serpent who represents evil, as well as the woman, will have offspring, and somewhere in the genealogy of this woman, there will be an offspring that will crush the head of evil, but her offspring will be struck as well. And I read from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. If you recall in the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah was one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, in chapter 40, verse 3, here is what God says as he speaks through Isaiah. Here's the reading. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now let's fast forward 600 years or so to the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. And here is that reading. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now let's listen to Jesus' own words in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 3. Here Jesus is emphasizing who is truly hungry and truly thirsty for a new way of living and willing to admit it. Listen to Jesus' words here, and you will see how this is part of a unified story. This is where you will find the parable of the two sons. The audience for this particular parable was the chief priest and elders. This came amid an ongoing discussion where the chief priest and the elders were asking Jesus where his authority came from. Here is the reading. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Well, thank you for allowing me to point out a little bit of the unified thread that can be traced all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation, even though we didn't go as far as Revelation today. But this reveals our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
this is truly a book of literary genius. It's called the Holy Bible. And it can be difficult to read and understand. And at times, but the people at Bible Project have made it much more approachable. Just type in BibleProject.com into your web browser and you will be treated to videos, podcasts, and a host of other material that will make the Bible much more enjoyable and understandable. Hopefully this helps set the stage for who did Jesus hang out with? And who did he love? He hung out with people that were not highly regarded or loved by most of the religious and political establishments of the time. Jesus chose to hang out with and love unconditionally those in society that were marginalized by the establishment. Jesus had an intentional plan and agenda. He went to specific towns, followed the leadership of the Spirit, and ultimately went to Jerusalem where he was crucified. He met many people along the way. Some were unsuspecting, like the Samaritan woman at the well and the twelve disciples when he called them. But by and large, his reputation and his presence is what drew the crowds. He was continually surrounded by people wanting to hear him teach and looking for a miracle. We have no stories of Jesus in Scripture casually wandering into a bar or a sinner's hangout just to blend in with the people. Let's look at some of the people that Jesus shared his time and love with. Number one, women. You might ask why women would be of note. Well, in the first century culture, women were definitely low-class citizens. Remember in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? There's a footnote in there that says those were just the number of men that were counted because in that time and culture, women and children were not included in the count. This gives new meaning to the phrase, they don't count. In John chapter 8, Jesus did not condone but he defended a woman who was accused of adultery. The scribes and the Pharisees had brought her to the temple. And they began questioning Jesus about her. And here's part of that exchange. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. Jesus even allowed women to support his ministry, as evidenced in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And here is that reading. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. 
Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out of, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. Next, Jesus hung out with the poor. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 13, to see what Jesus has to say about associating with the poor. And here is the reading. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Third group he hung out with, the unclean. In the Gospels of Matthew as well as Luke, there's an account of Jesus healing people with leprosy. Jesus had a loving interest in actively healing, whereas the cultural establishment quarantined you to be healed on your own. Fourth group, the oppressors. No first century Jew in his right mind would hang out with a Roman centurion or for that matter, show any love towards his family. In Capernaum, Jesus was approached by a Roman centurion who said one of his servants was ill and asked Jesus to heal him. And Jesus did. Also, another group of oppressors were the tax collectors. Clearly, Jesus had no problem hanging out with them and loving them because he picked Matthew as one of his disciples. Matthew was a tax collector. He also broke bread with uh, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which meant he was probably very rich and got that way because he skimmed a great amount of money off the top for himself. And lastly, the final group that Jesus hung out with, he hung out with racial enemies. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, we saw Jesus single out a man from Samaria who would have been a racial enemy of the Jews in the first century. And finally, there's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. I mean, does it get any better than that? Jesus was speaking to a woman who just happened to be a Samaritan as well as an adulterer. So what we've just done is taken a 30,000-foot aerial overview of Jesus from Genesis to the Gospels. Now let's land the plane and ponder on what this means for us as followers of Jesus. What should we as modern-day Christians glean from this? I think to observe what we should do is not very difficult. I believe doing what we know is best is the difficult part. Jesus said following him was not going to be easy. And wow! It was true then, and it's true now. We have had, and will continue to have, opportunities to be more intentionally Christian to our neighbors. I can't remember a season in my lifetime that we have had as many opportunities as we have now. This coronavirus pandemic and the racial unrest we're living in and under offer us many unique opportunities to be more distinctively Christian in our actions. 
I don't know where you are or where you might be in your thought process right now, but I know I have some reflecting and pondering to do. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word that both comforts and convicts us. Dear God, I would ask that each one of us would stay grounded in your word. We ask that your guidance in helping us discern your will and interpret your word correctly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is also my hope and prayer that we can live into our church's vision of learning, loving, living God's Word. And now as a blessing, I will leave you with the last verse of 2 Corinthians. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.